You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive Scottish football content. Hi folks and welcome to the latest episode of the SM Media Scottish Football Show Extra. I'm Scott McPike, it's an absolute pleasure to be your host as always. We have got a midweek full Premiership card to run through and to join me to do that, it's a pleasure to welcome back to the show, Regan Stevenson. Regan, welcome to the show, it's a pleasure. Thank you for, uh, for, uh, for asking me on again, Scott, it's great to be on and we've got a busy week of Scottish football to talk about, there's so many talking points to speak about this morning. There is that. It's a lot to get through. Obviously, we've got a full weekend. We're getting closer to the, the World Cup. We've got a full week to look back on. We've got a full weekend to preview. So we're going to be busy. We've also got a couple of wee news points as well. But full yeah. card, as we say, a, a lot to a lot to touch on. We will start at first part. Let's let's get into Celtic's victory against Motherwell. Regan, I wouldn't go out and say it was it was a two one victory. Celtic Kyogo Maeda with a goal job. Obviously got a goal disallowed for offside that we will touch on because I want to bring yeah. that up. Motherwell Obviously, they're in a difficult, they're in a sticky run. They're struggling to get results, but they played. They were decent actually. It was a decent display. But Celtic, I would, I would say, I would say they made it hard for themselves. I think that's a good statement. I think they were. It was a good result, but I just, I don't think the performance is there. But again, it's it's games like that. Angel look at the end of the season if Celtic and I think they will win the league. If Celtic do go on to win the league, you look at nice last and go. We weren't at our best, but we got the three points, and that was all that matters. Uh, totally, Scott. I mean. And said last night, Celtic were a bit slow in the build up, and I totally get him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the point for me was the if you see that first goal, Scott, Matt O'Reilly, yeah, the, the tracking that he does to, to manage to get in there is it, sensational, and that's not spoke about enough. Um, I think what Celtic have done, Scott, is they're missing their best player in Cal McGregor, and they're still managing to be seven points ahead. Yeah. But when, when Cal McGregor got injured, it was two points, it's now seven points. Um, I think the important thing, like you said, Frange, is just to get through to that internet, that world, world, that World Cup break, and get off to Australia seven points clear, Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Motherwell actually played played quite well last night. They had a, a great chance at one 0 through Lemo. Um, and I thought they, I thought they played pretty well. I think Stevie Hamill can be pretty pleased with how they went about it. Yeah, I think the one thing that Stevie Hamill won't take won't take from it is is the fact that Van Veen, Mugabe, and I think it was McIntyre as well. They all went off in the first half with injuries, so that'll be a when you're not getting results, when you're not getting results and you're you're losing key players. I mean, Van Veen, we've spoke about him a yeah. lot. He's he's a key player. That 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 can just add problems. Now, I do agree. I think Stevie Hamill will look at that and go, "That was a decent performance," but when you're not getting the results. No, and and I know it's that thing of you're not, nobody's expecting Motherwell to beat Celtic or get anything from that game, but you're also expecting Motherwell to go out and go right. Okay, let's look at this game. Let's look at how we've played. Should we have taken more chances? Should we? Because it wasn't vintage Celtic. I think we can agree on that. And we'll no, it wasn't. No, I thought you brought up an interesting point about Carl McGregor because I thought since McGregor's been injured, I thought one, I thought Moy last night in particular, I thought he's come out kicked on. See, he was just when he's gained yeah. gained a bit more fitness. And you said about O'Reilly as well. I think O'Reilly's maybe struggled in the past few weeks, but you see there he's still determined to get the goal. The thing with Celtic when, when the now is, as you say, 
they are winning. They are winning. They're scoring goals. They're not. I would. I don't think you would say to any Celtic fan would say the past six or seven weeks they've been breathtaking a lot of the time, no. but they're getting results, and yeah. that's that's why they're seven points clear. Yeah, I mean, you just need to look at that game on Saturday against Dundee yeah. United. I mean, that game was in ninety minutes at two two, mm-hmm. and Celtic still had the, the self belief that we could get one or two goals, and I think that's the thing that Andrew instilled. He's instilled the fact that Celtic go up the park. And no matter if there's one minute left, they still think they can score and put the three points <laughs> on the, uh, to, to extend the lead at the top of the table. Mm-hmm. Aye, I mean, it's that Celtic are just they're, they're, they're rolling now. They're just rolling on. They're, they're winning games. The one point I want to touch on that we'll maybe bring up VR maybe a couple of times in the show, but the one here with Jota's offside now, it's a tough, it's a tough one to say if it's offside or not because we don't really see a correct. Yeah. And that's that's the point I'm going to lead to. I'm maybe going to go on a bit of tangent a wee second, but it's a it's a really good goal. But is it is it that thing of we with VR and the angle of the camera is atrocious. That is crazy to me how there's a TV camera there that is showing that angle but the VAR can't pick up in that angle. That to me is ridiculous. That to me is stupid. Nonsense, and I don't understand it. But it's not if the ref, if the linesman's put his flag up, and he's obviously convinced it's offside. Now that's a that is the decision that the assistants came to. Yeah, the line, the VAR official maybe isn't in a position to go no. The the linesman's got that totally wrong because we don't know. And if he's using that angle, should he not have another angle there? That why are they using an angle sixty yards away to determine if a line if a a line for an offside sixty yards up the park? That is the that's the problem I've got with that. Yeah, I mean to me it's absolutely crazy that um people on the telly and people that are on the radio are actually telling us that the goal is onside. No, it's not, no. I don't think I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's I think it's one of those that are ve- it's very it's too tight to say if it's onside or offside. I don't but, think you can. But I, think, but I think the thing, the thing that you spoke about there, Scott, they're only giving us one angle. Mm-hmm. Why, why are they only showing us one angle? Correct. Correct. Now, uh, you, you spoke about going on a tangent there. I want to talk about a tackle on Stuffelt, right? Now, why was that not a red card? Why was it not a red card? Yeah, I, I think, I, yeah. I, I do not understand. There was a, an incident in the St. Mirren, St. Johnson game. Was the exact same incident of the staff belt, and like the interesting thing for me was that while the column actually signaled for VR, it goes to VR and VR says no red card. I I mean, I don't know if it's a red card. I, I think I think you can, I think there is a case for a red card, and it's it's one of those. But as as you say, why is why is the referee wanting to go to VR? And VR's refusing. I think that the referee should be making that call. The referee should yes. be saying, the referee should be the one. I if if VR if VR's needs to interfere without the referee, I still think the referee should be able to look to go over every time he's needed to make the call. Because at the end of the day, what's the point in having the referee there in that decision? Yes, if VR's just going to overrule him. Scott, that is bang on because. There's actually no point in the referee being there because every incident was just referee, re refereeing the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
the biggest disappointment for me is the fact that we're now taking the aspect away of the enjoyment of football because we're rewinding every single incident to the minuscule impact and that's taken it away for me for the big enjoyment. I don't, I don't know about you, but I think the, I think the referees will say it's teething problems, but there's still so many incidents where you think to yourself, well, if that incident is not a red card and stuff like that, you're, you're kind of going, what are they actually... Why is he referring to VR? And then he goes, "Oh well, it's not a red, it's not a red card. It's, it's the same one with the Jack and Marcus one of the weekend. He spends he spends uh, three minutes over it to, the, to then go. Oh, I don't think it's a so why <coughs> so so, 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 so what, what what VR recommends that it goes, and then he spends three minutes over it. Yeah, well, I think that's why everybody's getting a little bit. And annoyed, I think, because there's so so much anger. Uh, there's not enough. Um, there needs to be a lot more clear, uh, clearer of of where we're actually going with it. I think VR was brought in to help the game, not make it worse. Yeah, and it's that. I spoke about it before a bit, coming out and saying that it's going to take three months to. To get going well, if it's going to take that long, why not wait the three months and yeah. act, and bring it in when it's going to be a hundred percent correct? I just think I I just think I think there's two things that I take from it. I think like I think not giving the referee the final say is just I I don't agree with it. I think you're I think you're making the referee basically pointless in that regard. But also you're giving like as we bring up all the time. When you're giving people a case, then now I totally refute and disagree with anything that there's a big wider conspiracy going on in Scottish football, and it's all it's it's all the part of MI five yeah. and all that. I don't believe that, but it's either it's either incompetence or it's purpose, and that's the problem. Now I'm a big believer that it's incompetence, and I think it's the same with any new technology. It's going to take time to settle in. It's going to take time to get used to it. But you also need to realise the fact that. People are looking for this to go wrong. People, there's people out there that want VAR to be a failure and be it all to be everybody's against us and all that. But you're certainly, you're certainly playing into that thing when you're 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 not giving an offside because the camera is sixty yards away. I can understand why people would go. Wait a minute, what is what? Why is that? What's that all about? And it's like it's like you said, Scott. Surely we could afford one more, one more, uh, uh. Camera. Camera in the stadium. Yeah, yeah. Not no, to, absolutely. Not going to cost as much. I th- I was I was under the impression though there was a, there was five cameras in every stadium that was meant to be that was meant to cover every angle of the the park. That's what I was on. Um, somebody can tell me if I'm wrong, but that's what I was under the impression of. But again, it's one of these things, and I'm quite glad we're we're getting to a winter a kind of World Cup break where we can get away from VR because I think it, once it's come in, yeah. I think the month, I think. The month of the World Cup break, and I don't know if like the top referees are going to be going to kind of going to the, the championship and things like that in League One, but I think maybe maybe a couple, of, maybe two or three, maybe two or three times a week, these the referees that are that are implementing VR, they they have to have like a review, an early review, like me, like if we were in a job, we would have an early review of how our performance is. Yeah, I mean that Scott, needs to be the case here, and we need to get it better for coming back when it was intended to come. It came in early because just why but now use this break as a time to bring it back better 
once the break's over. Yeah, I mean, Scott, you, you, I mean, you spoke about there, but re-refereeing the game. I mean, we, we, we've spoke about so many times about incidents that we've seen. Go back to Timecastle in the first game of year. That game was an absolute mess. Like, Steve McLean and Nick Walsh then get the the biggest high-profile game the following week. How can that be possible? How can that work? Like, surely these guys need to take responsibility. If so many people within Scottish football are saying, right, these t- two guys have made a mistake in the Hearts Celtic game. They've not given two penalties for Hearts. They've not given one pe- penalty for Celtic. Mm-hmm. And, and they should have sent someone off. If they've made four big decisions that went wrong, why are they then giving the biggest game in Scottish football the following week at Ibrox? Yeah, and I thought it's, it's, we, could, we could do this to death. But again, obviously, we'll, we'll Celtic, big one for them. Takes them, obviously, seven points clear again. Rangers, let's get into the next game. Rangers won hearts now. Anything other than three points for Rangers was a must. Yep. It was a very, very bang average first half. I thought very pedestrian. I just thought more of the same in the past few months or so. It's just been very boring. That's the best word for it, boring. Second half, I thought in particular Ryan Kent came on to a bit of a game. I thought the goal was excellent. Ryan Kent showed what Ryan Kent can do. And it was a... It was a weird game. I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll sit in ten years' time and go right. This is a game I want to watch back in full. This yeah. it wasn't the best, and I'm. I was very disappointed with Hearts because I thought Hearts. Hearts must have thought they were a real chance. The first half they did have a bit of a go. They gave Rangers something to to worry about. They were creating chances, but the second half, I don't understand what Robbie Nielsen's tactics were to in that game because it yeah. just seemed that he was quite happy just to. Either get away with a draw, or try and avoid a, a big defeat. That's to me, and that to me, when you're playing against a Rangers team right now who are just not in the races, why would you not be trying to have a goal? Because if Rangers team are struggling, and yeah, they've got the result, but it doesn't change anything. The results, no, it doesn't change anything. But were you were you surprised that Rangers get the result, and and how big a, a three points is that for Rangers? Well, I knew I was coming on here, Scott, so I, I watched a bit of the Rangers game last night and I seen Josh, um, the heartstreaker, going through in the first mm-hmm. five minutes and I'm thinking, this could end badly for Rangers, but um, it was a great goal. Um, yeah, it Tillman, was. From Tillman, a good build-up. Um, the interesting thing for, for me is, Scott, this kind of duo for Bronco's era with, with Rangers kind of reminds me like Neil Lennon of 2021, you know, it's just like, you know, I think even like, I've got Rangers fans that um that went to the game last night. My my, my sister went to the game last night, and I, I think they I think they left after fifty five minutes, and you're just kind of like I don't think people are buying into what they whether that's watching. I I mean, you brought up an interesting thing there about Neil Lennon, and I think there are similarities. I think the the similarity for me is is that with Neil Lennon, I saw I, I knew where it was going. It was only going one yeah. way. It was just when, and it, it's the same here. Yeah, Rangers could limp. Rangers have three options here, and I've I've thought about this all all morning before we come on up. Rangers have three options here between now and kind of the Celtic game in January. They either just stick with it and just hope that the results improve, and when when players come back from back to full fitness, that the squad's back to back to some sort of order. 
yep. and they limp on and they just go for it and the problem with that is that, that if they just limp on and just are stubborn not to, to make a change if it's going to get if they you're just pushing the fans further and further away because I think a lot of fans have already made their mind up the second option they have is make a change now yeah. and you've got those four weeks to bring in a new guy and implement those ideas and be full steam ahead after the World Cup to try and have a go because it's not like it's seven points. It's seven points, yeah, it's very unlikely Rangers call that back, but it's not miles away. It's not like Celtic are 15 points clear and the league's gone. It's only seven points. Now, I know I'm saying there it's only seven points. It's not like it's three games. Rangers play Celtic three times. They could beat them three times. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying I'm very, I'm, no. I'm, it's very unlikely it happens, but it's not, it's not gone completely. The big, the, the, big, the, the big thing for me, Scott, I'm watching uh, Giovanni Brunvals as I do, I watch all the Scottish football. The big thing for me is, right, the majority of Scottish football sit back in the way Rangers and Celtic play the majority yeah. of football. Now, I've been to the, the last two Celtic Rangers games and I just think Gio's tactics against the big teams, he's too negative, Scott. He's far... Like, I'm sitting watching that Celtic game at Celtic Park and I'm going, there's no way Celtic are going to be here because Celtic are on the attack, yeah. non-stop, and Rangers are just defending. I've, an interesting fact I want to ask you, Scott, do you think Giovanni Prongov should get rid of Alfredo Morelos and Ryan Kane in January? Because I think it's a bit time they need to try and bring in some fresh blood. Um, I know people would like to hear this as well, but Alfredo Morelos, don't forget, was was called um, a bad apple by Gio when he was bad for his fitness in the, the Champions League qualifiers. So I'm trying to think, I don't think Alfredo Morelos would be a good influence around the dressing room when they're seven points by the, and the fact that his contract's nearly up. I just think Rangers should try and get a fresh start, bring some new players in in January. But that goes down to the recruitment for Ross Wilson. It's been absolutely atrocious, Scott. Yeah, and that's something we'll touch on with the accounts as well. But yeah, your point in Kent Morelos, yeah, from a business from a business perspective, you have to try and recoup some money because you can't let yeah. them go for nothing. But also Morelos an interesting one because I I don't understand just like why is you take Cholak off right. I don't think Cholak had a good game last night. And I th- I think I think Cholak's a very a very weird player to assess because if he's scoring goals, he's top class and he's yep. but when he's He's not getting service and he's not... It's very difficult to see what else he offers, but I'm not... I, I think he's a big asset to this Rangers team. But when Morelos brings something different, I mean, I thought Morelos came on, he did improve Rangers a wee bit that, last night because I think when you're up against a, a Hearts defence that are very stuffy, you need a guy like Morelos to break down. But that's what I'm saying. That's my point. Why Morelos and Cholak not try... Maybe it might not work, but try it. Try it for a game. See... You go to St Mirren on uh, Saturday, try the two up front. It might be you can change it after sixty minutes. You can if it if it's not working, but it might it might work. And I don't understand why. I don't understand up until yesterday what what he was seeing in Ryan Kent to play him because yeah. any other player and any other player in that Rangers team, maybe with the exception of Tavernier, if they're not playing well, they're out the team. Oh. Because he's nobody else that can do that. He's, yeah. he's banking on Kent. Turn, doing what he did last night and just turning up for 30-40 minutes now that's fine if he's doing it co- consistently you know as well as I do Regan 
that's probably the the first time he's done that all season for that length of time. There was times last night he looked like the Ryan Kent of two years ago where he was he had that confidence, he had that ability to just take everybody on. He didn't have he didn't have any fear. Now it's and I, has it been maybe coached out of him? And that's the thing that worries me. Is he going to go in the summer to a a championship team? Is he going to go abroad and be unleashed and get a new lease of life and look like the guy that we know he can be? That's the yeah. thing that, that worries me. I mean, the biggest problem if you're Rangers is the fact that this guy was so good under Michael Beale, um, and he's now went backwards under uh, Giovanni Bronco's with his coaches. Um, but I mean, if you're a Rangers fan and you're watching it, you need to say the productivity that Kent is offering to this Rangers squad is an absolute disgrace. I mean, but as like you said, Scott, he's not got anybody else to replace him. And I think it's an interesting thing as well. And we, we spoke about this. Do you remember the clip? I think it was the first day's training when Gio came in and Roy Mc- and Kent tried something and it stuck with me for a while. And I'm not completely con- at, like taken away from Ryan Kent. Ryan Kent's been horrendous. His attitude's been horrendous. But Roy Mackay said something very interesting that day. He said, keep it simple. Tricks are for the circus. And I just wonder when he said that, keep it simple, that Ryan, that that's the the whole thing with this Rangers team is just about just keep the ball, keep just the chances will come. We just need to be patient. And that works when you're playing against a a team that's wide open like Aberdeen and maybe even Hibs to a degree. doesn't work when you're playing against the likes of Livingston and St. Johnson because they're just going to put 10 men behind the ball and you're just, it's just going to be frustrating. Yeah, I mean, um, the biggest thing for Kent is that he's so up and down, Scott. I mean, he, he was fantastic last year. Like you said, when Rangers got done well in Europe, but but this year he's 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 not doing well, and I think it's important that, like you said, he gets that confidence back, mm-hmm. and he's got a big game on Saturday against Milan, and he'll just be hoping that he can <coughs> do what he did last night and start doing things on a more regular basis. Because if you look at like Jota, Abada, even Hagsabanovic, I mean, I mean Hagsabanovic is 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 often not playing. But his productivity when he comes on the park, he scores goals. That's he's, the thing, yeah. He's, he says some goals. I mean, if Ryan Kent goes off, you've got Scott Wright or you've got, um, try to think of someone else. But... Matondo. Matondo came in last night. I, I just think Matondo, that, the game completely passed him by. But I thought Wright came on and made a bit of a positive impact. I'm still not convinced that Scott Wright's the the man, that the the right the, the solution to that right wing problem. But no. You need and that I, I, I was listening when I was on my way home to for what last night I listened to Radio Clyde and Cammy Bell made an interesting point and it stuck with me all night. You look at Rangers bench and I know injuries are, are there and they're they're ripped through that team, but that bench is just look at Celtic's bench and look at Rangers bench. Scott and it's night and day. Scott, I don't watch uh, Rangers as much as you, but I'm just thinking that 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 it seems to me like this this Rangers team's been together for like 10 seasons or something. It just seems like it's this been, is Yeah, it's been... And it's, squad, it's that but... thing as well, when you brought up that Neil Lennon thing, and I think that's interesting, that, but that Neil... The, the season Rangers stopped 10 in a row and won the league, you could see that Celtic team had reached the end of the cycle. You could yes. see it after a few weeks that Cel- that Celtic team had just... They couldn't go on any longer. No. And I, that's I, I... what Ange, the genius of... The, the genius, I think, of Ange in that first... That, that, that's first 18 months... He's only kept McGregor and Greg Taylor in prominent positions. I know he's got the likes of Turnbull there, but Turnbull was a big player in that first season. 
And now he's he's not a bit part player, but he's not. I mean, you you look at Celtic's midfield when it's fully fit, it's McGregor, Hattati, O'Reilly. Yes. But you've got Turnbull to come on. You've got you can bring on Aaron Moy. The front three, you've got Jota, Jakimakis, Kyogo, Aksabanovic, James Forrest, for example. James Forrest is maybe what third choice in that right wing position. Yes. Can still come on and score a hat trick. Rangers don't have that. And Rangers were sorry to sorry to keep you wrong, but Rangers were so far and Rangers weren't so far ahead, but Rangers were in the position where they'd they had just won the league. They had the chance to move to kick on and build forward. Rangers should not have Rangers have stood still. Rangers have absolutely stood still and that squad needs a complete overhaul and it should have happened in the summer. Do you know why I think they've stood still, Scott? Because the whole mission for the Rangers board, for the Rangers fans, was this whole mission. Stop ten their own, nothing else matters. That was all it was. That was, that was all it matters to Ross Wilson, to Douglas Park, to, to John Bennett. The, these guys would be crucified if Celtic won ten their own, Scott. So see anything other than yeah. that? They, they, they are, they do, they, they, it just, to me, it just looks like they do not care. And that is a, that, to me, that is a disgrace because Rangers fans have fought out so much money on memorabilia, on everything, on uh, Champions League packages for nearly 300 quid. And they're, they're going there to see, to see Leon King in the back. And no, it's no disrespect to Leon King. Yeah. But they should have someone there to, 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 to show, show, show him the way. I mean, like, this guy's always turned 18 years old and he's thrown into Rangers first team and well, he's thrown into every game because they've got no options. Now I, now I know they signed John Sewer and Ben Davis, but I, but the, the, this is my heart. I don't think that Gio signed the majority of those players. That's why I don't think you can blame him because if, if you look at it right, I don't think Gio signed Ben Davis. I don't believe that Gio signed Saying John Sewer, I, I believe John Sewer was a was a Rangers board signing because he was brought in during January when Gio was brought in and then the month month before when Stephen Gerrard left to go to Aston Villa. Yeah. Um, you've got Matondo that he never plays. The, the Wilson came out and said we've been chasing him for three years. Now Gio hasn't been there three years, so. Yeah, and but but. The the biggest problem for me is that I don't know if Gio has full faith in this board. I mean, probably the one of the biggest things why Gerard left was the back the backup of the board. I mean, Gerard was was doing well, but he he knew there wasn't money there to go and spend. I mean, Rangers are coming out saying that they spend money on the training ground, but see see the biggest development, uh, Scott. The biggest development is to be made in the football squad. I mean, you look at it, Celtic, Ange Postecoglou said at his press conference the other day, we are not planning for the January window, we are already planning for the summer. Yeah. This, is what, this is what Ange is doing. And, like, it's no surprise that Celtic have already got two, two players lined up from Japan already. This is what they're doing. They already know what they're doing. I don't think Rangers have a plan, and that's the biggest worry. I think Rangers have a... <sighs> Well, we're as well just getting into the account thing now. We got a question from a, a viewer, a good friend of the show. Can you can you explain what what Rangers account means and how how you feel about them? Now, Rangers accounts are tough to break down, and yep. I should say as well this goes this is these results were posted 
till the 30th of June. So Calvin Bassey money, Joe Aribo money, the Champions League money is not part of what we're going to talk about here for a couple of minutes. Yes. Doug, uh, Douglas Park putting his statement, I'm delighted to be reporting a club record turnover of £86.8 million for the year to the 30th of June 2022. From this revenue, we returned an operating profit of £5.9 million, which represents an improvement of £27.6 million on last year's operating loss. This demonstrates the success and progress achieved over the last 12 months. A couple of things on that. A lot of that will be Europa League money. So... That's massive. That shows you how massive that was for the club, not just on the field but off the field. Yep. Secondly, Rangers were in a loss. Rangers had a Rangers have not Rangers have not made a profit, I think, since twenty twelve. Well, they certainly haven't since since twenty twelve. This is this is a big improvement in terms of finances because the club are now in a position where I wouldn't say they're rolling in it. I wouldn't I would not go no. that far, but I certainly think the word stability, I think there's a lot more. And that's the other couple of things as well, we just go through the accounts briefly. The payment to Sports Direct, that's that out the do- that's that done. I don't think there's anything else to come of that. I think it's been settled in a court case and that payment was the end of it. It's a, it's a lot. I think it's eight million or something. It's a big payment, but it's also that problem solved. The one thing I want to touch on, and this is something that Dougie Park said, said in his statement that I I think is relevant to what we were talking about there in terms of recruitment. This is a com- this is a quote from D- uh, Douglas Park, the Rangers chairman. Our entire football operation led by Ross Wilson now operates in a world-class environment at the Rangers training centre. The board is committed to further improvements to ensure we retain a, a facility among the very best in the UK. Off the field and allied to performance on the pitch, we have continued to make enormous strides. That will go up, and I'm going to swear here, that will go up the Rangers fans' arse sideways. Because here's here's why that will. Yes, the player trading model has worked. You have Calvin Bassey and Nathan Patterson sold for big money, but you also have a lot of dead. Who's the next big asset you can sell right no now? Ryan Kent's valued at fifteen million pounds, I think, in transfer market. You might not get that. You you certainly you maybe wouldn't have got that a year ago. You are certainly not getting it now. And you're certainly not getting ten million for Alfredo Morelos. Scott, that the biggest problem. Scott, the biggest thing is you probably need to to sell these players when they're at peak value. I mean, probably the best time to sell Ken from a selfish point of view was when Rangers got to the European final. The best time to sell your Ryan Kent was in, was last summer. Yes, because I know Rangers fans won't want to hear that. But see me Alfredo Morelos, I mean, well that this guy will not have value anymore because these clubs like what he's seen from Morelos when he was scoring goals against Porto and Benfica and clubs like that, but he's not doing it in, in the, SP, the SPL now. So it's a difficult one because it's like I said with Celtic earlier, I believe Celtic will sell in January, Scott, for the specific reason that Juranovic, right? He's going to a World Cup. Yeah. So they're going to go, right, peak value for, peak value for Juranovic, 15, 15 million. If, if, if I can reinvest that in the squad and get a brand new right back and I've got Tony Ralston there as, as a deputy we'll do that and I think that'll be the biggest disappointment for Douglas Park and like you said for for, for Douglas Park to come out and say that uh, to Rangers fans is interesting because they, 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 they'll be thinking well 
we've still got Stephen Davis, who's 37. Yeah. We've still got Alan McGregor, who's 40. And the, the biggest problem as well, Scott, I don't see where, like you said, the next big saleable asset is. I don't see it. There's two ways to look at that, and this is uh, we'll we'll move into the other games because we could spend all day. Um, I think we spent a lot more in the past few weeks, and I think we've we've wanted to in terms of Rangers recruitment. But there's two things that Rangers could do, and Rangers probably should do. They either look at the look at the assets they can sell. Now I'm not saying Rangers aren't skin. Rangers they're not they're not rolling in it, but they're certainly yeah. not skin. The thing that Celtic have done, as you said there about Juranovic, and Celtic have spent a lot of money in the the, the past eighteen months to build that squad. But that Celtic board, Regan, you know that you know this. That Celtic board they're looking at, yeah, we've maybe spent 25, 30 million. But if we build that squad right, we're selling that for 60, 70, 80. Right? That's that's their plan. Yeah. The second the second thing of that is what Rangers what probably Douglas Park sitting going, right, that's a lot of money to put up. Yeah, but it's certainly better than giving a, a new contract to Alan McGregor and Stephen Davis and letting them go for nothing. Then you've got two gaps in your your team that you then need to go and spend money to get a top quality player in. So what's the what do what do you want? Do you want to front load it and then gamble on the fact that you if things go to plan and that that's basic recruitment, you'll make a big profit down the line, or do you want to just? Yeah. Sit, just bring in young uh, old players keep all your old players on for a season just to kind of kick a can down the water and have to then do that anyway Scott um, there's only one solution to that yeah as in itself at peak value I mean um, the, the biggest point I said to you there is see in Scottish football Scott you need to strike with strike with the earth hot mm-hmm. because you're, you're only going to get a certain market I mean you look at Southampton, Southampton have, uh, they, they've kept scoring quite a lot and you're going to get teams like West Brom and um, right, right in there, the kind of market that you go down yeah. and when they see a player from Scotland, they're going to come in and get him and you, and you, and you need to be there to go, right, well, and it's like, obviously I want to keep the players but he knows there's a certain time and a place where you go, Right, I can go back to the Japanese market, or I can, or, or I can go across to Australia and get this guy that's worth, say, six million quid. But I can sell Jota for twenty-five and get this guy for six million. That's really good. It's gambling, but it's gambling that is. That's what a player trade model is. You have to buy players at at small values and then sell them on for big values. That's development. That's progression. But also, you mentioned there about Postacoglu, and I do. Agree. He's went into a market. He knows he's going into Japan. I think he's going to sign his fifth Japanese player. Is that right? The the boy yeah. from Vassel Kobe. But the the next thing with that, I haven't heard Giovanni van Bronckhorst going into his market. I'm not saying fill the score with Dutch players. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is though, I don't look at Rangers transfer targets over the past the summer and the no January. I don't think Giovanni van Bronckhorst going in there and go in the summer and uh, January and going. We really need to get Aaron Ramsey. And don't forget, Scott, um, Giovan Broncos was also in Asia for a time in China. So he must he, he clearly must see that league and go that there must be some peak value in here. And he's got a lot of contacts as well. He's worked Roy Mackay's came from Bayern Munich's development. Uh, that's maybe where Tillman came from. Dave Voss has been at Ajax. You tell me that that market that they aren't going right, there's there's a player I've seen that 
Utrecht or something for 20. They, they, they teams produce brilliant players. You're yeah. telling me that Rangers can't find a, a diamond in the mud in that, that area of the or It's just, it's it's not good and it's not good. And I just see, I just think they're kicking a can down the road. But we'll move into the, the next game. Let's get into the, the action over the week. Dundee United 4, Kilmarnock now. Dundee United move level in points with Kilmarnock and move off the bottom of the league in goal difference. An eight-goal swing at Tanadice last night. Yep. Regan, there's two different ways to look at that game. The United, very good. Kilmarnock, very, very bad. Yeah, I mean, we'll start off with the them being so good. I thought they played very well on Saturday when I seen them. Um, and I think Fox is starting to get a, 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 a wee bit of a style going. Um, but... Yeah, I thought they played very well last night. It was a great free kick. They scored as well. Um, but I think the biggest thing for him is he, he's got the big players firing again. Mm-hmm. Dylan Levitt is playing well. Stephen Fletcher's playing well. Um, they've finally got a sell number one in their goals. Yeah. Which is ideal. Obviously, he didn't do his sell too much glory on Saturday against Celtic, but... Uh, that's a different story, but I think that I think now he's starting to get a settled team together, and they're playing away to Aberdeen on Saturday, and they'll just be hoping that they can do well again. But if you're Derek McInnes, Scott, I mean, you are ripping your hair out at half time. You are ripping your hair out at half time. You're ripping your hair out before half time. You need to make three changes. But you mentioned there about the United. The United, we've seen that this season. They went, they they hammered Aberdeen at Tanadice for now, but then they didn't they didn't kick on after that. So they are capable of putting in performances and results like that, but they need to build on it. That's how you get out the the problem they're in. Yep, I think oh, the I think the biggest thing for Dundee United is the fact that teams like uh, Ross County, even Livingston, they're not, they're not pulling away from them. Yeah. So there's still only like four or five points between them. Mm-hmm. Even even if it will get Motherwell right. Motherwell played some great football, Scott. We spoke about that on the show. But Motherwell only won one away from being at the bottom of that table. Yeah. One yeah. defeat away. Exactly. Exactly. And it's it's that thing as well. And Kilmarnock, I mean, Derek McInnes will be Derek McInnes will be wondering what on earth happened at half time. And it, he made three changes at, just before half time. And he was, he said, I think he, he came out in his interview and said in the second half, you would have thought this game was even because Kilmarnock played well. Yeah, they did, but the the first half they were defensive. Defensively, they were absolute shambles, and they just looked. I don't. I I've always had a big thing with this Kilmarnock team this season is that they are lacking goals, especially with Kyle Lafferty been out. They yeah, just but... they they couldn't put any. They couldn't land a glove in Dundee United, and that just tells a story of a a team with big big problems. Yeah, I think it does, Scott, because they're at the bottom of the table. Dundee United, and if you can beat them, then it's not a great look, but. I think, like you said there, the fact that they're missing their top striker for 10 games because of the stuff off the park, it's a big blow. But like you said, they've still got some deputies on the bench that could come in there and do well. Yeah. That, that, that might be the, bit, the big thing for Derek in January, to go and get some more players in that squad. Yeah, and it, it's it's that thing with Kilmarnock as well, is, is that, yeah, they are struggling with like, it's a laugh at now, but they need better than what they've got. Christian Dodge, no disrespect to him, he's not the answer. If you need 10, 15 goals, I'm not going to chap Christian Dodge's door. No disrespect to him, but no. he's not the answer. 
And he, I, you did see a difference in them when they brought, brought on the likes of Ennis Cameron come on. I'm not, I still think, is he maybe at the, is he that good enough to be at that level? I don't think so. But they were better in the second half. I think Derek can take slight positives from that. But the Kilmarnock really need to to kick on. The one game left, Derek McInnes will be wanting a massive upturn with this World Cup break. He'll be wanting a, a massive turn, a turnaround of fortunes after Christmas. Next game of the of Wednesday, St Marin two, St Johnson two, very end to end. It it's a yeah, really yeah, that enjoyable was, game. That that was some games. It really was. What do you think of both teams? Like St Marin, VR obviously played its part with a handball and red card, but St Marin were they were obviously up. They came from one 0 down. They were playing playing by a lot of confidence. They're a different team at home than they are away from home. They're they're yeah. really they're making that a kind of a big occasion to play at that stadium. But St. Johnson as well, obviously they're in a high after winning on Sunday. They, they look a lot more in terms of like Stevie May, Nicky Clark, Ryan McGowan. They've got a settled squad now and they're using it. Yeah, it's like you said, St. Johnson look a bit more solid and they look a bit more settled with Nicky Clark up top. I think that combination between Stevie May and Nick, Nicky Clark working very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, Scott, St Mirren just, they're very, very good at that St Mirren Stadium, but when they go away from it, yeah, they struggle. Yep. And I think that's why they'll probably struggle to get in the top six, because if you look at a team like David Martindale's side, they, they can go home and away and pick up yeah. even draws. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I think it's going to be big for, but I think two teams that are, that'll, pro, that'll be really happy getting into this one, a break that they're in the position they're in. One team that will not be happy with it, the run of form there and his Hibs. A 2-0 defeat at home to Ross County. We'll start with Ross County. They weren't at their best. I've spoken about Ross County a lot. I think they're, they're putting in good performances, but they aren't scoring goals. What a difference a week makes. Two big victories, and they're now in a, a lot better position than they were this time last week. Yeah, I think the manager will be very, very happy. I mean, they're playing well. Uh, Jordan White had a good chance just before they went 1-0 up. But, yeah, I think they'll be very happy. I think, my, my, I think Malcolm McKay... Like as much as there was a big um thing about him uh, being appointed, I think Roy McGregor stopped him and he's done very well. Um, I think the big thing for him was that Motherwell and Dundee United didn't pull away, and they've not done that. And uh, Ross County were looking uh, at the bottom of the table, but now they can look, still looking up, up to go up that table because if you look at it, if they can get even a draw still to park that puts them on what was it thirteen points and yeah they're, they're, they're looking to get to I mean that's getting you pretty pretty high up the table mm-hmm. yeah I mean they're sitting they're sitting a lot better than they were last week they're sitting on uh, fifteen points from uh, fifteen games decent Hibs on the other hand now Hibs where Hibs went on a four game winning streak looked really good looked as if they they'd settled down a bit. They have a lot of the ball. You just look at the possession stats here. They have a lot of the ball. Sixty-five percent possession, twenty-one shots, but they're not doing anything. They're not. They're no cutting edge in that Hibs team at the moment. And no, pr- probably the best chance was when Lewis Stevenson put a ball in and Mickelson tried to get uh, through the front post. But yeah, probably they're just not offering much. Is it you and? I mean, Yuan looks as if he's got a good bar pace, but he just doesn't look as if he's got the end product and the finish there. They put them uh, 
to put the ball in the pokey. And it's, it's not that thing. It's that thing as well. You can't, and I'm a big fan of Martin Boyle, but you can't be relying on Martin Boyle to be your only cutting edge. Now, I like the boy, the Ukrainian boy that's come in, but you can't put the buck on him. And it's the same with Boyle. Boyle's, Boyle's not there. But he's massive to that Hibs team now when you see how they're playing without him. Yeah, and that just shows you that the fact that they brought him in in deadline day, I mean, if they didn't bring him in, they'd be struggling. They'd be yeah. absolutely Absolutely. Final game, Livingston 2, Aberdeen 1. A fast start from Livingston, two early goals from Fitzwater and a penalty from Stephen Kelly. Aberdeen get back into it through Duke and Aberdeen dominated the next... From the minute the second Livingston goal, Aberdeen dominated, but... So, yeah, I mean, they dominated the next 75 minutes. I, I, watched, I watched the full 90 minutes in this game. Um, I thought Livingston started well, but it was the, it was the same old tale again, Scott. They went, they went straight to VR and I, like the, the the first Aberdeen penalty with the handball and uh, from the corner. I just don't get it. He, he can't move his hand out of the way. I understand what where they're coming from that it touches them, but I, I just if we're going to give penalties like David Mandel says, if you're going to give penalties for that, they're going to be giving penalties every single game. No, that's the thing. I saw a stat yesterday that I think there was there's something like that. I think there's been sixty three Premiership games before VAR came in, and there was only thirteen, eh, sixteen penalties. There's been yep. sixteen games with with VAR, and there's been thirteen penalties. I mean, it shows you there's going to be a lot more penalties, but it's also this handball thing that how do you that the the one with the St Johnston one is it I St Johnston Marin got a penalty. Sorry. How can St. Johnson get the penalty? How can the St. Mirren player... Now, he's he's out there with the, the back of his hand. It does. He is, it's in a non-natural position. But are you going to get a thing now where instead of having a shot at goal, you're going to get players just going, right, I'm going to just kick the ball off his hand and hopefully he just puts his hand out? Yeah, but I don't know what, I, I don't know what the player's meant to do, Scott. I mean... Correct. I mean, you go back to the Burnaby one at the... At the weekend. The, the weekend, right? Yeah. I, I'd post the call said he spoke to Burnaby in the dressing room and Burnaby said he didn't actually see the ball coming. Mm-hmm. He doesn't... Like, when are we going to sit and go, right, the arms are just part of the body. Like, I'll give you an example, Scott, right? don't know if you remember, but Celtic played Real Madrid in the Burnaby. Mm-hmm. And now, Jen slipped and when he was moving back up, he moved his hand up yeah. to, get, to get himself back on his feet. But... She then gave a penalty for it. And you're thinking, well, he basically just slipped and he just moved his hand up. Right. He's no meaning to go to it. And I think the point that David Mandel <laughs> makes, see the point David Mandel makes about you're going to get a lot of penalties, it's very valid because... Oh, it's absolutely valid. Because we're going to get to a stage where we're going to get four penalties again. Because it's, it's actually quite annoying that we're... Because, like, I, I, I don't know how you feel, Scott, but... I find it very hard to celebrate goals now because you just... I've been laughing for years. Um, I, I make a wee joke to, to people I know that like, I don't celebrate getting a, a coupon up until I know I know the full-time whistle's been because you can't celebrate goals anymore because it's just, it is that. It's You're just waiting on why is this being disallowed. It was the same last night. I was at the I was at another game and I was obviously getting notifications through about Celtic. The Celtic game, the Rangers game, things like that. And Celtic went 2-0 up, and I thought, right, okay, that's probably a Celtic game kind of wrapped up. 
But then two minutes later, I got a message through to say that the Celtic goal had been disallowed. So you're getting these notifications to say that Celtic have scored and then you're getting a one two minutes later to say that it's been disallowed. And I know that happens, but that happens. That happened at least five or six times last night for Scottish games, and it's crazy. And it's just as you say, there's it's taken out the it's taken out that thing of you can't you're not watching the game the same way. Now I'm, I've been a big advocate of VAR. I think something is needed to help the referees out, but it needs to be properly. Everything needs to be properly linked. You can't the the handball rule is stupid. It is. There's nothing, yeah. no other word for it. It is stupid. Scott, and if we got a referee on the on this program today, they would tell you they're just following the rules. But they, they, they wouldn't know because the referees wouldn't talk. That's the problem. The referees aren't. The referees aren't allowed to talk or explain any decisions. Yeah, and I just find it absolutely madness, Scott, that we that we're in this territory where. But we've got this technology, but see the way that the, the referees are doing it. They're, they're acting as if they're going for a Christmas present. They're just <laughs> using it at every opportunity. Aye, I mean it's it's some we'll need, it's some we we'll need to we we'll need to process, and that's why I think the winter break needs to be a, a maybe not a learning course for VR because I think that I think the referees will be sick fed up with going through training courses for it. But you also need a you need to it's like any other we spoke about it earlier. It's like any other job you need a a progress report, how this is going, could this be better? Because everything can be better. Let's, over the winter break, you've got a month to properly get rid of these teething problems and instead of coming out and saying, our referees are going to be rubbish for three months, why don't you sit during this winter break, which is a tool you've got, to properly get it in order for coming back after the uh, World Cup? Scott, the biggest one for me, right, was, and it's actually quite funny when I'm thinking about it, but it's not funny at the time. Right, it was when... Then United, right, they get uh, Tony Walker gets sent off. Uh, so it gets referred to VR. VR says yes, it's a red card. And then they go to the Tuesday morning, they go, Oh, that was that wasn't a that wasn't a red card after all. Correct. How can they go how can they go to VR and say yes, it's a because the referees got the equipment there that they've paid millions to use, they still can't get it right. So we, where are we going as a society? If the referee if the referees I've got these pictures in this this Clydesdale studio. They should have everything there to their disposal so that, see on the Tuesday morning, so they don't need to go and say, right, I've made a, I've made a mistake. We're going to wrap up the show there. It is an absolute pleasure to be joined by Regan Stevenson. Regan, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. No, no, no problem, Scott. Thank you for having me on. It's been great to be on and I uh, appreciate you asking me. Pleasure. Thanks very much. Thanks very much for having us tuned in. Please follow us on social media for consistent Scottish football coverage and subscribe to our YouTube and podcast channels. Thanks very much, everyone. We'll see you soon. Cheers.